0: Welcome to this episode of Renovation Report, brought to you by the Andersons and Golf Preservations. I'm John Reitman, and our guest today is Chris Cochran of Nicholas Design. Chris recently completed a renovation of the American Dunes Golf Club project in Grand Haven, Michigan. Formerly known as Grand Haven Golf Club, American Dunes is home to the Folds of Honor project started by the Rooney family in 2008 that honors fallen veterans and raises funds to provide scholarships for their children and spouses. So sit back and listen as Chris talks to us about the project, some of the challenges that he encountered along the way and how he overcame them, as well as some of the support that came from around the industry to help the project become a reality. Take us back to square one of this project. How did Dan Rooney and Jack Nicholas meet, and what was the whole genesis behind taking an existing golf course and sort of reinventing it with a focus on support to the armed services community?
1: Exactly how Dan and, and Jack met in that meeting I wasn't part of, so uh, I'm not sure how that all all that transpired. I just know, you know, Jack soon after the meetings, like gave me a call. He's like, well, we got a new job. And he explained to me, you know, what the American Dunes project was about as an existing golf course and what Dan wanted to do with it. And, you know, they were expecting me up at Grand Haven Golf Club to to have a look at it and for me to report back to Jack what I saw. So that's kind of how it all started for me.
0: And Grand Haven, as it was then, was built back in the mid-60s. The closest I could find was an architectural team, probably, I guess, a couple of brothers, Bruce and Jerry Matthews, a couple of names I'm not really familiar with. When you went there, the first time you saw the golf course, what did you find and how would you characterize it?
1: Jack was all excited because he's like, Chris, it's all sand, and it's right next to the lake, and it's got big dunes, and it's going to be great. And I show up there, and it's the tightest tree-lined poa infested golf course I've ever seen, and it was because it was so tight with trees and shade, it was a very wet site. you know, so I'm thinking to myself, man I don't know if there's sand here or not, but as I went around the golf course, there was a couple of areas where Dan, on his own, had opened up the trees a little bit and excavated and exposed the sand. so, that I'm like, okay, well, I guess there is sand here. Uh, So I took pictures and reported back to Jack what I saw. We knew we had to to open it up just to get some sunlight in there. Dan had an initial budget, uh, which really wouldn't let us do a whole lot, just kind of knock down a few trees and and redo green, you know, kind of redo bunkers and green complexes because the irrigation system, there was conflicting reports. It was either 10 years old, 20 years old, or 30 years old. And Dan's father who was there, he was under the impression that it was only 10 years old. Turns out it was almost 25 years old. So with the irrigation system being Thinking it might be that new, nobody really wanted to to blow it up because that's quite an expenditure. But once we later learned that now the irrigation system was not in that good a shape and it really needed to be replaced anyway, you know, it's just one thing led to another. And, you know, we started knocking down trees, exposing sand, and everybody could see the potential of what it could be. I remember Dan Rooney coming out uh, after we got it cleared. And I'm like, and I'm feeling really good. I'm like, what do you think, Dan? It's like, Chris, I think that's great, but why don't you knock all the trees down, you know, while well, right. you don't have the money for that, that's not in your budget. He's like, don't worry, we'll figure it out. So I explained that to Jack. Jack got even more excited, and then on his next visit, we started knocking down trees and opening up areas and exposing the sand, and, you know, that's when it really came to life.
0: Going back to the original designers of this course, who were the Matthews and was there any sort of a design philosophy that you could put into words for us?
1: Jerry is a member of the American Society of Golf Course Architects, and his son, Bruce, is is a member as well. So I know them from the ASGCA. Uh, Jerry's brother, Bruce, he named his son after him, I guess was a golf pro, and, and they've done a lot of golf courses throughout Michigan. You know, they're very popular. I mean, it's an okay golf course. You know, look at it for – you know when it was built in the mid 60s and yeah i'm sure you know the trees were a lot smaller and a lot more wide open then and and it was probably a lot more playable you know there wasn't anything there that you know somebody's going to go out of their way to go play I mean, it was a, it was a nice golf course, you know, nothing wrong with it, but it was nothing exceptional where, you know, Hey, I want to go out of my way and, and play golf here and I'm going to pay 150 bucks and, and get all excited, not only about the golf course, but the, the whole experience. Therefore there really wasn't a whole lot. We didn't save anything, but they, that was there before, Right. you know, change the routing, you know, reverse the nines. Uh, so this pretty dramatic change. New, new golf holes that were never existed before, you know, in unused land, we created new holes. So it's a completely different golf course.
0: You pulled back some trees and found there was a lot of sand on the property. From the standpoint of building a golf course and creating a good profile, give us an idea of what that sandy soil up there was like and how it made the project a little easier to, to tackle.
1: So what had happened uh, apparently in the 60s, I, I don't I don't know if they imported, you know, because the irrigation systems weren't that sophist- sophisticated back then. Uh, I don't know if they imported topsoil or something to cap the sand with, and then, you know, after 50 years of uh, not a lot of capital expenditure, you know, there was quite a, a thatch buildup, and this was how it was on all 18 holes. You know, you know, the first thing was, is there really sand there? So we dug, you know, test holes throughout the whole property and yep, even in the low lying areas underneath that, you know, three to six inch muck layer was beautiful sand. When we got rid of that material and exposed the sand, uh, John Scott came and visited and we tested the sand and it was like, yep, we can go grass on this, you know, so as long as uh, we try to bring in good clean sand from borrow areas, you know, on, on high ground uh, and try to get as much of the sticks and organic material out of it. And we just made push up greens out of that. And, you know, it's, it's the buckers are uh, just the native material. Uh, they're a little soft with water and, and uh, uh, you put a plate compactor on them. They firm up nicely and they play beautifully. So with, all of that uh, going for us. I mean, our creativity, we could, you know, we could be very, very creative, you know, you would shape something and then you decide where you wanted to put the grass lines or, you know, the greens or the tees. So, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun and turned out, you know, I think very well. Sure. And from an agronomic standpoint, it just makes things easy. You know, just one material that you're dealing with.
0: So as the project started to grow in scope with a limited budget, from what I recall of this project, it required a lot of people getting involved. If I'm not mistaken, donations in kind of time and product. Explain how all that came together and how that helped keep the project on track.
1: I got to give a a lot of credit to, to John Scott, so right off the bat. You know, when John got involved, he saw the, the property, he saw the materials we're dealing with. He learned all about the cause, what it was all about. He was very good. We got great deals but from a lot of suppliers. The grass supplier really helped out with seed pricing. The local aggregate company, you know, really gave us a good deal on, on rock for the cart paths and some concretes. So that was very good. John contacted the irrigation companies and Rainbow really came through and really gave them some great pricing. I, I give most, you know, naturally Dan Rooney, he's, <laughs> he's a professional fundraiser. So, you know, with the people that he works with and that he knows, he was able to get more and more donations from the, the general public to, to help finance all this and become a part of the golf course as well.
0: We'll be right back after a brief message from our sponsor. From green drainage to sod work, Golf Preservations can handle your project with ease and give you the peace of mind that the professionals are caring for your valuable golf course assets. Visit golfpreservations.com or call 606-499-2732 to talk to us directly about your next project.
1: Introducing Genesis RX 575 a comprehensive fertility and soil amendment product from the Andersons, specifically developed for construction, renovation, aerification, sprigging, sodding, and seeding. This blend of dispersing granule DG components provides the most comprehensive fertilizer the Andersons has ever offered, with the goal of providing a single product solution designed to save time and application and reduce fertility program complexity. For more information on Genesis RX 575, visit startwithgenesis.com.
0: We're back on renovation report with Chris Cochran of Nicholas Design. Jack Nicholas, throughout his career, has been a pretty benevolent person. There was a similar project at I think out at Fort Lewis in Washington that he had done some redesign work, or the firm had anyway. I'm not sure who the actual architect was. No, Jack was involved too. Yeah. Okay. No, well, Jack
1: was involved, and John Garner from our office did that work.
0: Got you. Okay, and and so a, a similar project as to what happened there in in Michigan and. At one time, I actually used to live right across the Intracoastal. I could look out and right at old North Palm Beach Country Club, the Muni right there along the, on, on US1 in North Palm Beach. And I know at one time he did some redesign work there and I think took a grand total of a dollar for his services. Right. Explain the whole philosophy about how important it is for him and his organization to give back not only to the to those in need, but also to the industry as a whole.
1: Jack's our leader. He's our figure ahead. He's the one who really makes those decisions. And, you know, in this case, I know he and his partner, Howard Millstein talked about it and, you know Jack's a very patriotic man, and you know this is something that he wanted to do. Uh, you know, you mentioned earlier the project in Seattle and North Palm Beach. You know, giving back to the community—that you know—that's what something that Jack wants to do. We're all on board with it. You know, I, I did the North Palm Beach project as well, and okay. you know, even though we we only got paid a dollar, Jack made forty-three Cypress, which means I probably made a hundred 43, if not 243 side visits. And we treat the job just like any normal job. Yeah, and that place was what, maybe a half mile from your office? Right. So, I mean, Jack made, you know, probably a half dozen visits to American Dunes while it was under construction. You know, I probably made, I don't know, it was such a fast schedule, but probably 25 to 30 visits probably. Wow. Uh, but we treat them all like, you know, as if, you know, it's a $3 million job. Sure. Design fee. Uh, nobody. You know, everybody gave it their all.
0: Now, I, I read recently for, there was a sort of an unofficial grand opening, but the course isn't really open till next spring. What's sort of the status of the project right now?
1: You know it's in really good shape. I I, I played out there as well. I mean the, they've done a great job growing it in. It's still a little bit tender, but it's still very playable. You know, like any new project, there's still a, a, a few items, a couple areas that uh, we need some more drainage, some cart path issues here and there. We had some weather damage, done some wind erosion on some greens, and and we just let the grass grow. Next fall we'll we'll cut that sod out and do some some minor regrading just to to smooth things out you know just what you'd see you know for a for a typical new golf course but when they open in may it'll be it'll be in great shape They'll, they'll be ready for the public that
0: course being located on the eastern side of lake michigan the wind can really whip across those lakes from west to east what what sort of challenges will that present long term to projects like this
1: we knocked down a bunch of trees, but there are still a lot of trees there and there's still quite a buffer on the West side of the property. So yes, you do get some wind and yes, it can be a windy day and a windy site, but you know, with the, all the site visits I made there, we had just as many calm days as we had windy days. So, you know, it's your typical lake weather where four seasons in one day, you know, anything can happen. Right. And, and I think, you know, we, we designed the golf course accordingly. I think, you know, when the weather's tough, it's going to be a tough golf course, but you get a nice friendly day like the the afternoon of the the day they opened it to the founders and you, you can really get after the golf course. You, you can shoot a, a good score. So in that regards, it's kind of Lynx-like, you know, kind of like the old classic Lynx golf courses, you know, where they're really not that difficult for golf courses if the weather's nice and uh, they're challenging if the weather's tough.
0: Right. Over the last seven, eight months, Michigan's been fairly aggressive throughout that time with some of its restrictions. Has any of that posed any challenges?
1: Uh, No, no. I, I mean, we're all working outdoors anyway, you know, and it's not like you're getting together in a big group to do something on the golf course. You know, one guy's on a bulldozer, another guy's on a tractor. This guy's picking up sticks over here and this guy over here is raking and this guy over here is fertilizing, putting down seed. Right. So you know, just the nature of golf construction and growing, uh, you, as you practice social distancing anyway. So, you know, I, I, when the, when the project got started up again and we got going again and, you know, in the spring, that yeah, was tough. I had to stay at my sleep in my shaper's basement instead of a hotel, but you know, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But we, we, we were fine. So, and I want to
0: go back to to John Scott's contributions to this project. If he's not able to drum up the support among the industry and community in the way he has, how does the course look different now if that had been the case?
1: Well, it's going to take longer to build and it was going to be more expensive. So that, that's a tough call. You know, where does uh, Dan Rooney draw the line money-wise where, no, no, Chris, we just can't afford that and you got to cut it off here? I, I don't know. You know, that's one of those deals where I know firsthand how valuable And all of us on the project, how valuable John Scott's contribution was, but how to quantify that, that's pretty tough to figure out. All of us involved know that he was very instrumental in taking the golf course to the next level and getting it to to be what it is today.
0: Sure. You talked about trees and having to take some out, POA issues, budgeting and so forth. What were maybe a couple of other challenges that you encountered along the way that you were not expecting and how did you work around those?
1: Well, one thing I I suspected was going to be an issue but was told from day one, Dah, "Don't worry about it, that's not an issue blah 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 was the groundwater. The golf holes by the clubhouse, you know, are very very flat. There's there's not much more than like a 18 inches of elevation change on the before the the 10th hole, the first hole, the ninth hole, the second half of the eighth hole, and the second and third shot on the 18th hole. We knew it flooded a little bit, but trying to get exactly what flood levels are and how to control that water, thats <laughs> that was quite an issue. Nobody would really address that or really understood what the issues were until everything flooded and went underwater. Then it's like, oh, okay, now we know what you're talking about, Chris. So, uh the county got involved, we got engineers involved. It's in the future planning from the county to put in a drain pipe to drain that area. We had very wet areas on the second and the third hole where we dug lakes. Uh there're actually an electric pump put in there to control that water and a pipe that goes underneath the residential road, you know, to take care of that water and all that water eventually ends up back to the lakes on 18 nine and one and then the county will put in a pipe and and that water will will exit the property so that was that was probably the biggest hurdle and biggest issue one that we i knew was could be an issue and when it finally everybody realized what an issue it was it took it probably slowed the project down oh geez eight to ten weeks you know we're pretty much shut down last year jeez you know a lot of April and May and at least half of June maybe all of June before the water table went down and that water went away and we, we could work those holes you know when the water was up we were working elsewhere you know in the dunes and the trees so that was probably the, the, the biggest you know kind of kind of surprise and and you know hurdle that we had to work through. When you
0: you have a project like this that not only honors fallen veterans, but also establishes a fundraising element to provide scholarships for their children and their spouses, what's it like for you to be able to play an integral role in a project that accomplishes that?
1: It's very important. I mean, my stepson was in the Army for six years. My stepdaughter, her, her husband is in the Air Force. Thank God they're all healthy and everything's fine, but I mean, what the charity is about it. There, something terrible did happen to them. It's people like Jack and Dan Rooney and the founders and everybody who contributes to that to that charity, you know, to take care of our veterans and their, their families if something bad does happen. To me, it's it very important, you know, it was a big deal.